Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Yes, it is presented by Progressive Insurance with the great Vince Carter coming up later in this hour on the Goodyear Hotline. Lots of football conversation today. The green list is trade centric and it's awesome. Thanks, everybody, for the terrific phone calls here that we just did and everyone's contribution to the question of the day. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. My question of the day was a simple one. Is there anyone in sports under more pressure right now than Carson Wentz? And we had great options. Great options. Bill Belichick. Carson Wentz, as it was where I started it. James Harden under enormous pressure. Who's under the most pressure in baseball? It's an interesting question. We'll continue to do that. Maybe we'll do a list on that next week. Obviously, the Carson Wentz thing remains the top story in the sport for so many different reasons. And there's a fascinating tweet from Shefty. Did you guys see this? Actually, I got a favorite tweet of the day. When you tweet all that stuff out, guess what? We got it. My favorite tweet of the day. My favorite tweet of the day comes from Adam Schefter, as it almost always does. When Shefty tweeted just a little while ago that... His report, or, or it, it, it was a report from Shefty. Shefty went on a radio station and said that Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson did not speak to each other for eight weeks last season. Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson did not speak to each other for eight weeks last season. And this is why there is so much pressure on Wentz. Let me make this as clear as I can. The Eagles gave up a ton to get him. They gave him all the money you could they, – they showed the ultimate confidence in him even after Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Everyone made such a big deal about them putting up a statue of Nick Foles. <laughs> Would you rather have a statue or $100 million guaranteed dollars? They didn't give the money to Foles. They let him go. And they gave Carson Wentz $100 million guaranteed dollars to be their quarterback. And in exchange, he never won a playoff game as a starter. His, his play fell off to the point that it was unwatchable last year. He created horrible internal politics, didn't speak to his coach last year for eight weeks, got benched, refused to deal with anything, demanded a trade the second that he got benched, and then the last game of the season, he was a healthy scratch. He was not playing. He was injured due to hurt feelings. All those things, and then they fire the coach that he hates. They bring in Frank Reich Jr. in order to try and make it work for him, and he still demands a trade and make sure everybody knows there's only one place he wants to go. So teams like the Bears don't offer anything in return. So the Eagles wind up getting pennies on the dollar and off he goes getting exactly what he wants. That's the circumstance with Carson Wentz. And that is why there is all the pressure in the world on him because I feel like half the NFL or more has it in for him. It's not just like... I don't feel like half the NBA has it in for James Harden. In Houston, they have it in for James Harden. That's the way these things work. Hembo, you're from Philly and you love the Eagles. You obviously and the fans there will have it in for Carson Wentz. But I feel like half the NFL feels that way. I do too. And it's funny. You mentioned the contract. At the time, it was the largest in the history of the NFL. And he, won't, and he wound up being traded before the extension even kicked in. The year he just finished was his fifth year. It was still his rookie contract. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a mess. And so I feel like there's all of this pressure on him and we'll see where it goes. But that then leaves some other moves yet to be made. And teams that desperately need to make them. The scoop. So here's the scoop. The question is, what team most desperately needs to make a move for Deshaun Watson? Lewis Riddick, on my program here yesterday, said it's the Bears. I really don't know where he's going to go. I'll tell you what, this is the team that comes to mind for me. In Chicago, you have a coach and a GM who know that this year it's make or break. It's do something good, do something spectacular, we're probably out of here. If I'm them, I'm not necessarily worried about 
the next year or the long term. That's the team. If I'm going to go all in, that's the team that should go all in. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Now, I can't argue with a word of that from Lewis. But here's what I heard. When I hear him say that, here's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing this organization has so mismanaged their situation that they're now going to allow this coach and general manager who've gotten everything wrong to mortgage their entire future because they are lame ducks. They have no interest in the future because they both know they're going to get fired immediately if things don't go well this year, rather than what that team probably should do, which is make a bunch of other kind of moves, draft a quarterback, and go from there. There are a bunch of good quarterbacks in this draft. Now, if you can get Deshaun Watson, every team in the league should be trying to get Deshaun Watson. But the answer should not be, let's go out and trade, let's, let's blow away any other offer they might get because we're going to get fired in eight minutes if we don't start winning games immediately. That's a terrible way to run a business. It's a terrible way to run any business. Everything I know about business, I know because my parents owned a little tiny one. When I was growing up, my parents owned a bookstore, a little independent bookstore in New York City. I worked there every summer for years. And I understand, literally based on that, some of the particulars of business. And I can tell you right now that your interest is one eye is on how many books are we going to sell today, and another eye has to be on how many books are we going to sell next week and a year from now. Because we're not shutting the place down next Thursday. But if you're Matt Nagy and you're Ryan Pace, you are. The Chicago Bears, for all intents and purposes, a franchise that is a founding franchise of the National Football League, will cease to exist, as far as they're concerned, by this time next year, if they don't win immediately. So that's a terrible way to do business. So when you have people in in roles like that, you must empower them. You have to either give them a contract extension or start over with someone else. But by saying, you know, I still believe in these two guys, so I'm going to give them one more chance. Well, you're damn right. If I'm Matt Nagy and I'm, and I'm Ryan Pace, I'm going to trade four number ones to go get to Sean because I'm going to keep my job. And if it doesn't work out, I'm going to get fired anyway. It's the same firing I'm going to get if my quarterback is Mac Jones or Ryan Fitzpatrick or anybody else you might go out there and get. So that's what I heard when I heard Lewis say, if I'm those guys, I'm not worried about the future. That's right. And that's bad. Right? I mean, that's just not the way this stuff should be run. It's not the way any business should be run. And that's a good example of why they tend to get things wrong there far more often than they get them right. I'm Greeny, and I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Again, Vince Carter on the way. Much more football as we go. But coming up next, baseball's biggest fan makes a very controversial statement, and I'm going to force him to defend it. That's next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. All right, super busy we are here and delighted that you've come along for the ride. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Vince Carter talking hoops on the Goodyear hotline coming up. Now, I remind you also, the NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in Sunday. Zion and the Pelicans. Jalen Brown and the Celtics. It's presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 3 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. We've been talking football most of this day, as we usually do. But I have to do, and I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? What? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? So Paul Hembikitis, otherwise known as Hembo, has been with me forever. And he is one of my, he is, he is as much my right hand as absolutely anybody is. And not only does no one know uh, statistics and analytics and gambling better than he does. I don't know anyone who loves baseball more than Hembo <laughs> does. To quickly just to sort of set your credentials, explain to people who do not know how you spend your average vacation. My average vacation is as follows. I hop in a car with two or three buddies. We, we travel around the country visiting ballparks we've seen before or not seen before and eat barbecue twice a day. That is how I spend my free time. Minor league ballparks frequently. Uh, independent league ballparks. We've seen college games, high school games. We just watch baseball wherever baseball is being played. So this is how he spends his vacation. <laughs> like others might describe this as something you would be sentenced to, but this is what he does. And isn't one of them like your, your buddy and his son? Yes. Come yes, he's uh, 13. Charlie is 13. Say, so this is how he would spend his vacation. Pretty decent pitcher, though. Now, you're a recently married man, so I hope that Lizzie is has upgraded your travel to the point where this is no longer the way you're spending vacation since the wedding. Uh, we, I did it last year as well. You did it last year. I have to admit. You, on your vacation, you left your... I assume Lizzie doesn't come with you on this trip. Lizzie does not. Lizzie barely talks to me on these trips. Okay, fair enough. So we've so, done this since we've been married. Just to give you an indication of, of, of just how in place his credentials are as someone who loves baseball as much as literally anyone I know. Yesterday, you tweeted the following... Fernando Tatis Jr. playing the next 14 years in the country's number 27 media market on the West Coast is an objectively bad thing for baseball. Now, we live, he works with me on Get Up and now here on this show as well. We live in a world where we, we factor stuff like that into every decision we make. Where are these guys? Where is the, what is the market? How many people are interested in it? And that, that's our life. Baseball fans, it's probably not your job to care about that because you don't care if this is raises the level of interest in baseball or not, raises the ratings. That's not your concern if you're a fan of the sport. But I want you to defend that statement. I, I know people were attacking you like crazy <laughs> for saying it. Defend that statement. Why is it objectively a bad thing? So here's where I'm coming from. Baseball has had the extraordinary good fortune of, for the last 10 years, having Mickey Mantle play center field for the Angels. His name is Mike Trout. And yet I, f- I believe that baseball has been unable to properly capitalize on the fact that there is a generational player in our midst because, frankly, no one knows who he is. And we have ways to quantify that. Uh, A couple years ago, there was a study done in which his Q score awareness was 22. What that means is about one in every five Americans know who he is. Seems impossible. 
when they measure these things in terms of athlete popularity, he ranks 27th among active athletes and 52nd among all athletes when people uh, are asked the question, who is your favorite athlete? And I am fearful that Fernando Tatis playing on the West Coast is going to suffer the same fate. Okay, so that's a reasonable concern, and I think it is a reasonable thing to say. Quantify for those who don't know just how good this kid, he's 22, he signed a 14-year, $340 million. For those who don't follow it closely, quantify just how good he is. He's, he's yet to play 162 games in the big leagues. He's at 39 home runs already. He's at 27 stolen bases already. Only time will tell if he can reach how good Trout is. But he's certainly a player who could be generational. That, that kind of good. No doubt. And so the question then comes, so I say this all the time about football. One of the things that makes football great and as popular as it is, is that Brett Favre playing in Green Bay and Peyton Manning playing in Indianapolis, and there was a a period of time there, probably about a decade, where they were far and away the two most popular players in football, and neither one of them was playing in New York, Chicago, or Los Angeles, and the NFL was never more popular. And I've always said that's one of the reasons that football is in such good shape. Basketball is suffering that a little bit right now. Now, if Zion Williamson had been drafted by the Knicks... If John Moran had been drafted by the Bulls, would people be talking about them more? Would it be good for the league? And I always say it's good for the league that Giannis stays in Milwaukee. Why have a team in Milwaukee or (laughs) Memphis or New Orleans if you don't want them to be good? They're not supposed to be the Washington Generals. They're supposed to, it's supposed to be a competitive enterprise. And if it is, if it is bad for the sport that the San Diego, what you're essentially saying is, It's bad for the sport if the San Diego Padres are good. It is better for the sport if the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Cubs, and the the other usual suspects are good. Now, I don't disagree with that. But my response to it is, then why do we have these teams? They're not supposed to just be feeder teams. They're not all supposed to be the Pittsburgh Pirates. What is the Pirates' entire payroll this year? $40 million. $40 million. Forty million. How many players in the sport make that in well, a season? Well, Trevor Bauer is going to make $45 million this year to pitch. But all these things can be true at the same time. It's a good deal for the player because none of his descendants ever have to work a day in their lives. Right. It's a good deal for the team because he is, like I said, a potential generational player. And it is also potentially bad for the sport at large because fewer people will have access to watching him play on a daily basis. That's all that I'm saying. They will choose that. I mean, these things are choices. Right? But fewer people don't have access to Brett Favre in Green Bay. Well, he plays every game on national television on, during the day on Sunday. That's right? true. And, and, and that's the big difference here. Like I have, <laughs> speaking of Charlie, huge Mike Trout fan. My 13-year-old friend Charlie never gets to watch him play. I talked to my buddy Jordan yesterday. He has a, has a seven-year-old kid in Cincinnati. Does not know who Fernando Tatis Jr. is. We live in this world of social media, so we assume everyone sees all these clips that we see. That's not necessarily the case. It is important be able to, to, to watch these kids play, to watch these uh, guys play baseball. And if the most important things that they're doing are happening after midnight on the East Coast, that's not a great thing for the sport at large. You know, it, it is, it is, here's what I admire about Hemba, whether you agree or disagree with this take. Because I, I saw you post it, and I immediately made a note, I want to bring it up, and you weren't here yesterday, so that's why I saved it for today. Um, and I, I, saw, I, saw, I, I clicked on it, and I saw a lot of people are giving you the business. <laughs> and I understand why. I understand why. I'm offended by that. 
Like if I'm a fan, of, like my mother, my brother, yes. and my sister and all live in San Diego. Like they're, they're excited. Their sons love the Padres and they're like, they're going to love this guy. I'm not saying not to be happy for those fans. If I were a fan of that team, this would be a great day. Right. What I'm saying is that Derek Jeter would not have been Derek Jeter had he played for the Padres. He would not have been as good a player or he would not have become the legend that he is. B, he would not have become the legend he is. And Tatis could do that. Like so let, he's let me, that kind of I get person. it. But let, let me just stop you there. Mm. Did Derek Jeter become a legend because of all the things he did, or did he become a legend because he did them as a Yankee? Yes. Yes to both. I, I don't think those things... If are, he makes that underhand flip that he, against Oakland, yeah. the most legendary Derek Jeter play of them all, if he makes that play as a, a, a Padre, and they win their third World Series in a row as a result of it, is he not the legend he is today? He's not. There's just something different about wearing the pinstripes. Baseball's... Be, Playing for a legacy franchise in baseball matters more than it does for other sports, in my opinion. And baseball operating at somewhat of a national disadvantage now, to me, that matters. Okay. And, and look, I, I admire, among other things, that you care that much about it. As we start work our way into the baseball season, we got Hembo here with all the facts and figures. If you like baseball, you're going to get plenty of it as we work our way to that. Obviously, football is usually my first and foremost consideration. And we have Vince Carter coming up next. We'll talk hoops with him. And our green list today... I think might be our best one ever. Don't miss that. It's on the way. We're busy. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. It just gets better and better. I am Greeny. That was me. Our weekly rewind brought to you by Dell for your small business needs. Call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. We come to you live every single day from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. And one of the ways we look at this, as I, I tell you about my weekly rewind, is that we did NBA Legends this week. Just felt like a good time to do it. So we had Isaiah Thomas this week. We had Patrick Ewing this week. It was a lot of fun. And right now it is my delight to bring into the conversation our very own Vince Carter, who is one of the most entertaining players to watch and is actually the answer to a good trivia question. Vince, a VC, welcome, as always. Great to see you, my friend. And... 
Do you, I assume, know that you played more seasons in the NBA 22 than any other player in history. I assume you knew that. I did. I did actually know that. <laughs> but actually, that is fewer than the all-time record in any of the four major sports. Do you know who played the most seasons in any of the four, NBA, NFL, NHL, or MLB? Someone played, two guys actually Ooh. played 27 seasons. One of them is a name yeah, you'll know. I'm sure it's baseball. I know Vinatieri uh, outlasted me for sure. Uh, but after that, you got me. George Blanda actually outlasted him. He did 26 oh. seasons in football. Gordie mm. Howe and Chris oh. Chelios did 26 seasons in the NHL. But Nolan Ryan pitched Nolan, 27 oh seasons in Major League Baseball. And so did Cap Anson back at the turn of the previous century. Those guys hold the record. So, Vince, you needed five more years. Yeah, I probably had one more. <laughs> <laughs> the great Vince Carter is with me here. Great to talk to you. All right, let's let's talk about let's go through some of the stuff we saw. So last night, I was really hoping we would get a great game, Nets Lakers. This obviously is a, it could be a preview of the NBA Finals, and it didn't materialize for a variety of reasons. No Kevin Durant, no Anthony Davis. Davis is going to be out the next four weeks, and we will see. But the one observation you cannot Randy, help but make. Let me stop make. you real quick with that. Well, I, I have to say this real quick. Yeah. I, I, I hope for, for AD's sake, he's out longer than that. Mm. Uh, and I say that because, uh, you know, we look at what happened with KD. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us, I was there that night when he got hurt in Toronto. And a lot of us felt that he, he, he didn't need to play. And for AD's sake, young guy, and obviously has already won a championship and wants to repeat. I think his health is most important. And if he needs two months, take two months. Because at the end of the day, you come back in the the, the last two weeks of the season, so be it. Then you get the first round of the playoffs to get yourself back in shape, to get ready for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just had to say that because – I haven't been on lately, and it's, I've been holding that in. So yeah. Thanks, so let me get that. No, out. I'm glad you said it. And Tim Legler said a similar thing with me on TV this morning that the level of concern has got to be high because he was out for yeah. a few games. He said he felt better and felt fine. Came back, played 14 minutes, and now it's worse than it was before. So that set off some alarm bells. Does it set off alarm bells for you? It, it does. And and this is speaking from a a, a, a athlete who loves to play and. We as athletes, we we want to get back on the court when we're when we feel better, somewhat. Mm-hmm. Not when we're a hundred percent. Right, right. And that's what that was, in my opinion. I feel like when he felt like, oh, I feel better. Look, yeah, it's a little pain. I could deal with that. I wake up in the morning with a little pain. You know, through mm-hmm. a basketball season. That's what we think. But it's different moving around a little bit and shoot around and trying to simulate that and actually being guarded by Jokic, beating a double team, the anxiety and the, the level of play in the NBA, it's, you, it's hard to match that, and we don't know that until we go through it, and sometimes that's the downfall uh, to, to us athletes. It, it, we, we get in our own way, and we put ourselves sometimes at harm's way. That's exactly right. I mean, and the expression in football has got to take his helmet away. You have to protect the player from yep, himself. Absolutely. So, So let me ask you the question this way, Vince. If he comes, let's, let's say he takes however long he takes off. If when we get to the playoffs, he's healthy. Are the Lakers in your mind a prohibitive favorite to win the West one way or the other? 
Absolutely. Yeah. If, if he's if he's healthy, they're still the team, they're the team to beat. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you know we we still know, see what the Jazz are doing. We still we still believe. I think what the the Clippers have a legitimate shot. Even Denver. I mean, they're up and down, but they're playing great basketball. They have a shot because mm-hmm. they 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 know and they've had a taste of it. Uh, even th- though I think they losing Grant is a big deal for them uh, uh, come playoff time. Uh, because of who he can guard, and you know he can guard multiple guys at his height. But uh, if Anthony Davis comes back, it's 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 going to be tough. And then on the other side of it, we had the Nets who win that game last night. And the stat that jumped out at me, I hadn't realized this till I was doing it this morning, going over notes to get set to do that game on our TV show this morning. The Nets are ten and one this year against teams with a winning oh. record. So we, we, we talked a little bit about how when, when they first got hardened, they looked a little sloppy. They lost some bad games. Exactly. But in the games when exactly. they get up to play, they, they do not lose. What are you seeing in Brooklyn right now? And, 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 and I think that was the alarming thing initially. It was like, oh, well, you know, the first thing we said was what? Oh, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not going to work. They can't figure it out. Bad teams. And it's something about playing against good teams uh, the elite teams and being able to figure it out. And I think they took that and, 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 and said, this is who we need to become. This is how we need to play. And when they're playing good teams, they're figuring it out. I mean, 10 and one is a stat that I didn't, uh, I didn't know or, and or realize. And I, I, I mean, that tells you what come playoffs time, when you start to play the good teams, mm-hmm. they're going to show up for sure. So they're going to be tough to stop. T- tell me about how you see that going. You were a great player, a great offensive player in your day, and, and now we put together these three guys, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, when they're all healthy and together. How do you see that offense working best? And, and you know, I, I always say in coaches that I've played, defensive-minded coaches I've played for, uh, we always think, okay, come, particularly come playoff time because I've been uh, in a series versus the Knicks when uh, Mr. Jeff Van Gundy, had mm-hmm. double teams against me and they took me away and they said, somebody else is going to beat us, mm-hmm. going to beat us, not Vince or not such and such. And T-Mac played well. Well, here's a situation where you can't double team. Maybe you double team two of the guys. You can't double team all three of these guys. And they bought into Harden being the point guard, uh, Irving being the off guard and Kevin Durant being Kevin Durant. Right. And it, it's worked because his decision-making, his meaning, uh, James Harden's decision making is next level right now. I didn't know or wasn't sure if they could coexist because it's only one basketball. And I think what has taken this team over the top is Kevin. De- I'm sorry, is Kyrie Irving saying you're the point guard? Mm. You're the point guard. And I never thought that would come from him, honestly. And since that has happened, I feel like now it's like, oh, okay, he's the point guard. Kyrie's the, 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 the shooting guard. Kevin Durant, once again, is Kevin Durant. And the other thing is Kevin Durant taking initiative to guard the best player on the other end. Because if not, who's, gonna, who's, the, who's, gonna, who's their best defender? Who's going to guard for them? And he's taking that initiative and still getting buckets on the other end, yeah. which is tough to do. I, I'm with you. Greeny and the great Vince Carter is with me. That's so good. You know, I go back to a time – when a, a very famous thing that happened in the NBA long before you were born was Walt Frazier and Earl Monroe were both great point mm, guards. Yes. And Monroe gets traded to the Knicks. And he basically said to Clyde, you're going to be the point guard and I'm going to score. And it worked out. Obviously, he's in the Hall of Fame and they won a championship. <laughs> yes, but talk about that unselfishness with me, Vince. That, that's what these guys have to do. They have to, they have to let other guys do some stuff and they, they have to sort of sacrifice some of your game. So, Greeny, I think about this. 
think about the in the Warriors run and think about all of the teams that were trying to put teams together to create that style of play, that look. Mm-hmm. What was the problem? Unselfishness. Can you buy get guys to buy into being unselfish, to play team basketball, to sacrifice? Kevin Durant struggled with that when he first got there. And Draymond Green said, What? Hey, this is not how we do it here. If you happen to buy in, we'll make sure you get the ball. You become you know, you, you'll still be Kevin Durant. He bought into it. They win two championships. So I, I think that was the key is guys willing to sacrifice for the bigger picture in the championship. Yes, Kyrie has won. Yes, uh, Durant has won. But at the same time, it's like we can do this again. We can dominate if we buy into it. And not only are they buying into it, I mean, James Harden is 11, averaging 11 and a half assists. He's a point guard. He's like, we look at him. I mean, if you think of James Harden, the first thing you think of is step back threes and all that. Mm-hmm. He's a point guard that is leading the league in assists. I mean, his decision-making is like second to none to some of the best to do it in the game now and years past. Greeny and Vince Carter. And here's the other piece of it. on this Because they're also they're moving the ball, and here's how you know it. In their last four games, they've shot 49% from three-point range. From an efficiency standpoint, you have to shoot 73% from two to match that. So it does. It, obviously, it's unstoppable, and it looks great, and I agree with you. It does bring up a question, however, that a lot of people have asked me, and I want to ask it to you. Are you concerned the game has become too much about threes? Do you believe we have too many three-point three point shots in basketball? Oh, you asked the old school guy who came into the East uh-huh. <laughs> when it was half court. So, uh, I mean, you, you learn to adapt. And I think it's harder for the older generation of players and you who've been around for the game for a very long time to adapt to it. That's just the way it is. You walk into a, a, a NBA practice now. And I remember it, you know, the bigs are on one end working on the post moves. The guards and the point guards are, well, the point guards are working on ball handling and some shooting. Uh, the, you know, your scores are working on scoring, shooting threes. Now you walk into an NBA practice, what do you see? Three-point shots and Euro step. So Vince Carter, the older player, now is trying to work on my Euro step. Like, I was like, I didn't have this in my game. <laughs> so the game has evolved. The game's faster. Uh, like I said, I, I watched Mark Gasol from playing against him, and I use him for an example because, remember, Memphis was half-court, grit and grind, beat you up. And it went from now Marcus Gasol was in the top five in three-point shooting percentage and efficiency to Klay Thompson, uh, Steph Curry, and a few other guys at that time. So that right there was the reality of the game has changed. So with that, with more shots, with more threes, that means transition defense is more important because you're shooting and it's long misses and you have to get back. So if you don't have a decent transition um defense and probably a good half court defense if your trans- transition defense isn't good you're in trouble so uh it has changed it's a different game i've adapted to it uh i found myself uh you know on a fast break now not running for lobs i'm running to the three-point line <laughs> that's just right. the way it was which which as some of us who've watched the game all of our lives don't like the way that looks as much but we're going to yeah. have to get used to it because it's not going in the opposite yeah. direction all right it's one not more going thing anywhere As I've done this NBA Legends Week this week, I've asked each of you guys to tell me a story. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. And so here's the story I want you to tell. And this one's actually going to be college. I was looking you up today. I I thought I knew everything about Vince Carter. But it turns out I did not realize that or I'd forgotten that you played at North Carolina during what was Dean Smith's last season. You actually bridged from Dean Smith into Bill Guthridge. What do you remember about Dean Smith's last season? Tell me a story about the end of that. 
Where do I start? Um, so Rocky freshman year, we um, up and down. We had a good team, Serge Wicker uh, for people, uh, Jeff McGinnis, uh, Dante Calabria. We had a very, uh, Shaman Williams on that team, very good basketball team, veteran team. Stackhouse and Rashid just leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have to say, imagine that. Mm-hmm. My freshman year could have been Jeff McGinnis at the point. I played the two, Stackhouse at the three, Antoine Jameson at the four, Rashid Wallace at the five wow. with Dante and Zwicker coming off the bench. What could have been? So we go on to our second year, and I, I remember that year just going through. We were playing, we're playing, and obviously Coach Smith is approaching the record of most wins. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy that was more so about North Carolina than saying Dean Smith. He hated when they said Dean Smith in the North Carolina Tar Heels. <laughs> he couldn't stand it. And he also hated when you score a basket and you want to get the crowd going. Hated it. He was a team guy. So we're going through the season and, and we're, we're approaching the record. And I, I just remember he just would not talk about it. He would never mention it. And when he gets it, he was just like, yeah, guys, thank you. You guys were great. But like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just accomplished like one of the most, I mean, for, for us as a college kid, like you're the winningest coach. You have the most wins and you can name a laundry list of coaches leading up to it that you were recruited by. That's when you watched it, so on and so forth. So now we're getting to, into uh, this, uh, the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, I remember playing Colorado uh, is I think when he, when, when he broke the record against Chauncey Billups, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, uh, and we move forward. So we get the season's over and we get into the summer. We have our summer workouts where we run on the track. He has the, the, the what is it? The, we have a track run and we have to do, and he was just a little occupied, preoccupied. You could see his mind was just all over the place, all over the place. Not like the year prior. He usually was engaged and he's usually kicking your butt for your guard. You're supposed to finish at this time. If you're big, you're supposed to finish at this time. This year, it was kind of like, Okay, good try. You tried, so on and so forth. Preoccupied. Once everybody's done, we're laying there dying, whatever. He says, hey, guys, meet back in the, uh, into the locker room. We have a team meeting. Okay, cool. It was just a little weird. And he walks off. So, you know, everybody's like, what is he talking about? What's going on? You never think Dean Smith is retiring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't think that. Get into the locker room, and you can just see he's pacing around. A little sweat on, on the floor. And so it's just like. This doesn't seem right. You're thinking something's wrong. And, you know, he took a long time getting out that statement to us prior to his actual press conference. So when we're walking in, you go in and you see the press walking by, you pay no attention to that. That's just Dean Smith, you know, probably talking about his record. And when he finally tells it to us, it's kind of like, it was like dad, your dad saying, hey, guys, I have to go on a tour for a couple of months and I'll be back in eight months, Mm. let's just say. And you can see the disappointment. I have a picture uh, of us sitting there during the press conference. Uh, It's it's me, Terrence Newby, Shamar Williams, and we have the saddest (laughs) long face Mm. ever. And it's a basketball coach. It's your coach. You're probably going to be there three, four, well, now it's one year, but three or four years. Like, But this guy in going into my junior year, so this is my sophomore year, two years, how he, what he's done for, for me as an individually, for a team, how much we respected him, you know, the, what he, what type of man he turned me and us into to all of a sudden say, I'm retiring. Coach Guthridge is taking over. 
don't even remember <laughs> when he said that to us don't even remember hearing coach Guthridge will be taking over until the press conference hmm. because he was like I'm stepping down retiring and moving on you know whatever I'll still be around but I guess he said coach Guthridge will take over now we have the same feelings for coach Guthridge so at first it was kind of like what then it was like oh okay at least it's coach gut coach gut is is coach smith it's the same person but it was just it was just so awkward to go through our junior year and you know we understood how close the two were and that was our goal to get back to the final four we lost to you know arizona blah 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 they won the championship Mm -hmm. whatever and we wanted to go back to redeem ourselves and do it for coach smith as well as coach guthers because he walks into a great situation, but we still had the whole our end of the deal. And it's funny because we thought Coach Smith would still walk around the gym and be around, and he wanted no parts. He said, this is your team. When you guys want me, need me, I will come around. And uh, it was just something that, something uh, to be a part of. And obviously that was big news. And, uh, I mean, everybody was around for it. It was tough to, to for the summer. It was tough to, to, to accept. Vince Carter, it's a great story. What a great recollection, and, and obviously just an extraordinary legend. VC, it is great to see you. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend, and we'll do this again soon. Thanks, my man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. That's the great Vince Carter with me here, wrapping up NBA Legends Week in, in just outstanding style as he remembers his last year, when the last year of one of the greatest coaches of all time. All right, quick. The list is what determines who matters in this business. I just have two minutes, but I want to get it in again because the green list was so good today. In the wake of the Carson Wentz trade yesterday, we have the five worst trades, five worst trades in sports history. Number five. Number five is 1966. The Reds traded Frank Robinson to the Orioles. The only player that Cincinnati got in that trade was pitcher Milt Pappas, who ever wound up playing for them. In the meantime, in his first year in Baltimore, Frank Robinson won the Triple Crown and the MVP and the World Series and the World Series MVP and wound up winning one more World Series in Baltimore, beating the Reds that year, the team that had traded him. That is number five of the worst trades of all time. Number four. Number four is Brett Favre, traded from the Falcons to the Green Bay Packers. Atlanta had drafted him in the second round. They then trade him to Green Bay for the 19th pick in the draft. The Falcons take a running back who played 33 games and fumbled nine times in his career there in exchange for one of the greatest and most beloved players of all time. Number three. Three is the Gretzky trade. Ask anyone in Canada. They'll still tell you where they were that day. It was it was so unpopular that people in Canada petitioned to have the government call off the trade. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky traded to the King. Number two. Two, did you know that Bill Russell was traded to the Celtics? Traded from the St. Louis Hawks, all they did was win 11 championships in Boston. Number one. But number one has to be the legendary curse of the Bambino. Babe Ruth traded from the Boston Red Sox to the Yankees for basically enough money to finance a Broadway musical called No No Nanette. He wound up being the greatest hitter, the greatest slugger, and the greatest legend the sport has ever produced And the Red Sox, who traded him, didn't win a World Series again for 84 years. Those are the five worst trades of all time. This has been an outstanding week, and I thank you for hanging out. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.